Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Nathaniel Paul Thurston. And with me, as always, only today via Zoom. And we're sorry, okay, but everything will be back to normal someday. So anyway, with me via Zoom over the internets, just going straight through space and, and, and back to my house is Charles Chuck Lawrence Thompson. What's up, man? Oh, thanks for having me on, dude. I, I appreciate you having me on my own show again. So I nice. was waiting for you to do the intro. I was sitting back in my chair and everything, and I realized that you weren't going to do it. So I had to shoot up real quick and and do my do my wonderful famous intro. Right. I, w- I mean, I wanted to do the intro, but I figured since the song was on your side of things, you probably had a better reaction to it. And, you know, I just needed to be the second rate host that I am. Well, that's OK. At least, you know, your place. So this is the Good Morning Liberty <laughs> podcast. We talk about life, liberty and the pursuit of meaning Every single day of the week when we want to, which is almost every single day of the week. So make sure that you smash that there subscribe button or follow button so you can get a new episode sent directly to your cellular device every single day. Talking life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. We got to talk about how maybe if we just let people be free and make their own decisions and exchange value with one another, that's really what the free market is. If we just allowed that to happen, we could probably fix a lot of these crazy problems that people have. We don't have to wait on the government to fix them for us. Wouldn't that be we something? Could, that would be weird. Wouldn't I just, you know, I know it's a crazy idea just letting people be free, but it's one I've been considering lately. And I think that maybe <laughs> we should we should take it into account potentially. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I could have said it better myself, but I couldn't agree more. So... I guess with that being said, we'll jump right into the news. We got some some crazy stories to talk about today. We'll be talking about Trump is moving to ban evictions nationwide through December. And then we'll be talking about how some hypocritical things are going on with the FDA. And since that uh, GOP senators are trying to get the FDA to classify this abortion pill as dangerous, and the Democrats are trying to get the FDA to to not do anything to regulate the pill, which is um, weird. It's it's almost like there aren't any principles. It's just whatever the moment is for you and whatever your political ideology is. That's that it. There's not really there's any no principles. Nate logic doesn't exist anymore. I don't I know how many times it. I have to tell you this. You're right. Maybe eventually you'll pick up on it. You know, maybe this logic's not. It's so confusing to figure out what the heck we need to do in every situation because there's not some underlying principle that everyone is trying to live by all the time. It's all just complete subjectivity. And you know what's you know what's interesting? Most people just follow along with whoever their favorite is, be it Trump supporters or you know Democrat supporters. They just kind of follow along. I mean, how can any Democrat seriously look in the mirror? Uh, and, and then look out at, and look at Joe Biden and be like, yep, that's the best choice for president. I mean, yeah, how can he, and then Trump supporters, the same thing. How can anybody look and be like, okay, that's the absolute best we've got. Now I get it. You know, in this system that we have the duopoly more than likely, I would say probably a 95% chance or higher that one, either Trump or Biden will be elected president. So I get that. I get that the odds are not in favor of third parties or anything else like that. But I just don't know how people can honestly look at themselves in the mirror, or go to sleep at night thinking that 
this is the two best options we have. They, they just kind of, you know, you see the Democrats come out on the side and be like, oh, well, you know, Joe Biden is is he's the best choice we've got. Look at all the good things that he's done. And when, in fact, you look at his record, it's completely opposite of what the Democrats actually say they want. And then same thing on the Republican side. You know, Trump is almost not exactly opposite, but pretty opposite of the conservative that can, that Republicans claim to be. So it's um, not only is there lacking logic in the political realm, but I think people in general uh, are just kind of following whatever that entails. Yeah, I've always I, I've kind of been looking at it. You were wondering how people can look themselves in the mirror and go hold their nose and vote and sleep at night and all those kinds of things. I think it has a lot to do with I think people want to win. And it's similar to maybe watching a sports game and maybe not just one game. Maybe you're not going to watch one NFL game, but maybe at the beginning of the season, you're going to bet on who's going to be in the Super Bowl and then who's going to win the Super Bowl. And let's say that you're a Browns fan, but you're going to bet on who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Well, you might, you might be a Browns fan, but you might go ahead and place your bet on the idea that it's going to be the Patriots and whoever is going to be on the NFC side. It's really hard to tell who all is going to be on their side. Or maybe it's going to be the Patriots and or maybe it's going to be the Chiefs and whoever. And even though you're a Browns fan, well, you're you're perfectly willing to to post out there that you made a bet saying that the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. So I, I think it has a lot to do with that. I think people want to place their bets where they think the winner is going to be because they want to be a winner and they want to feel like they made the right decision when it comes to to winning. And so they want to be able to say, yeah, that was my team that won. That was my that was my winning horse right there. Well, you know, as you my know? granddaddy always used to say, if you ain't first, seconds last. That is a very popular saying that uh, people have been saying for, for quite a long time. Oh, I heard it from my, my grandpappy daddy. We'll be talking about that. A new study out showing that steroids cut death rates among critically ill COVID patients by about 20%, by the way. That's, a, that's good. And then we got to talk a little bit about Kyle Rittenhouse and everything that's going on up there in, in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, because, of course, this narrative going around that Kyle Rittenhouse is just a far right-wing extremist, white supremacist, whatever everyone wants to say he is and and people on the right are hailing him as a hero and people on the left are saying that he's a murderer and and of course they're all just being helped along on this by trump who has came out in partial defense of rittenhouse so of course of course that's a that's it's a bad thing when you see someone getting attacked by people even someone who has a gun who's fired a gun and when they use their gun to defend themselves well they're obviously a murderer Mm -hmm. because they're on the wrong political side i saw somebody post something about you know provocation and the fact that he showed up there with a rifle to begin with is provocation and so you can't claim self-defense when you you know when you're the one who uh caused the people to start chasing you to begin with simply by the fact that you were there with a rifle um, simply because you were brandishing a a gun, which led to that type of thing. And I'm like, I just don't know how that's the case. If it's not illegal. Well, it was illegal for a 17 year old to carry a rifle in Wisconsin. But if it's not, if open carry of a rifle is not illegal in Wisconsin, I just don't see how that would hold up. It's this is going to be very interesting. Maybe it's uh, they're saying that he was provoking 
the attack. Maybe it's the people that were out there doing things that re- that would require citizens to line up and defend property with with right. AR-15. <laughs> Maybe it's those people that are the provocateurs when it comes no. to the situation. No, that can't have anything to do with it. And then the big story, <laughs> CNN is breaking the news that this whole thing about Joe Biden being you know, mentally uh, on the mental decline, having dementia. Well, this is all just Russian propaganda. That's so, all this is. So he's drunk. He's been drinking vodka. And that's why he sounds like that. I guess so. I think it's, <laughs> it's, there's obviously been no evidence that he has any mental decline whatsoever. And the people who think that are just victims of more Russian propaganda leading up to an election. That's, that's what's happening right yeah. now. Just in case you guys didn't know. Before we dive into this, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, as you mentioned earlier in the beginning, that this is this podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And that pursuit of meaning part, I, I just wanted to tell a quick story. I was um, I was talking to my counselor last night, and yes, that's right, folks. I go to counseling, and I think mental health is uh, very important, and you should too. I believe we actually um, we have some more ads coming up for for better help. Although this will be kind of a pre ad, I guess. Um, because I believe that starts tomorrow, but, um, I do, uh, go to counseling and I think it's very important. And, um, my counselor asked me a very important question last night and she was like, what do you see, you know, in, in the future? Like, what's your ultimate goal for the future? And I was like, well, I was like, what I truly believe is that every single person somewhere, uh, unless they're a psychopath, but pretty much every single person somewhere has a spark of divinity in them. And then if they took the responsibility and they pursued meaning in their life, that they could be all that they could be and provide unbelievable value to all the other human beings in the world. And it doesn't matter what, what that looks like for you, but I sincerely believe that everybody has that piece of value locked inside of them. And with a little bit of encouragement and a little bit of personal responsibility, they could unlock all of that. And, um, and, and, then of course she goes, well, why don't you tell yourself that? <laughs> and I was like, well, I do, I do. You know, that's something that I, that I, you know, preach to myself all the time. Um, but I just wanted to remind people of that, like this whole podcast. Yeah. We talk about politics and how we can improve the political realm and how we can improve all those types of things. But when you really get down to the crux of it, it's more about, you know, how all of this affects your life and then what can you do about it? And the thing that you can do about it is take some personal responsibility and pursue meaning despite what any of this means, despite Russia, despite China, despite any of this stuff, uh, you're in control and you are capable and, and you're, you have something of value to offer to the world. And so you better get at it. And, and I just thought that was important from, from last night. I, I like it, man. I'm glad that you're finally getting some counseling because I've been dealing with this shit for years. So <laughs> he's finally getting the help good. you need. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to say is uh, along some of those lines is I, I've been thinking a lot about how we actually solve some of these problems. And, you know, we we do the same thing. We go through national news every single day. We're talking about Trump. We're talking about Biden. We're talking about Pelosi and AOC and Bernie Sanders and all those things. And truly, the only way I see out of this, because I think on a national level, we're going to continue moving towards more and more socialism, more and more government control. I don't see it going in the other direction on the national level. 
I really don't. Even when you have a Republican in office, you move towards more government control in some kind of way. And then you swing back to a Democrat and you get more government control in some kind of way. And so I think that we're just going to see this continue happening. And the only thing I can see that would actually fix this is one, you taking the personal responsibility to make sure that your life is set up in a way where these things don't matter. You know, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are probably not crazy worried about who's going to win the election. I'm sure they might take a hit on their net wealth, but it's not really going to affect their lives very much. And the other thing I see is dealing with these things on a on a local level, because your last line of defense really against the federal government is going to be making sure that you have the right sheriffs in charge, the right mayor, the right city council, making sure that the right people are are in charge in the county and in your state and making sure that you live in a state that is a bit of a haven for liberty. And I think that's one of the only things that we can realistically do if we're going to be thinking on a government level. And that's a level that a lot of people obviously talk about all the time, the local level, because that really is your last line of defense. There are ways that you can still live the freest life possible if you do live under a local government that is, one, not going to enforce the unconstitutional federal laws, and then in a state that's going to be the same way. Maybe you live in a state like Tennessee where they're not going to have state income taxes or they're going to have, you know, whatever whatever different things. Obviously, in the coronavirus days, everyone's moving towards a little bit of tyranny. But that's one thing I would consider. You see a lot of people getting out of California, getting out of New York, getting out of Illinois. And that's what they're doing, whether they don't know that and whether they know that or not, that's that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would I would consider that when trying to figure out what the solutions are, if you're if you're crazy worried about what's coming, because it's probably coming. So speaking of ways that having a Republican in office uh, will do nothing to fix the problem from Politico. Trump moves to ban evictions nationwide through December. Hmm. Right. I think his liberal uh, New York Democrat side's coming out. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And his his uh, what's interesting is he's got such a long history in real estate, and he's still moving to to ban evictions. And I would have thought that his history in real estate would help him along understanding this this situation a little bit more it's almost as who, if it's almost as if the incentive to get reelected is more than the incentive to do the right thing hmm. oh that's the conspiracy theory Charlie. Yeah, probably that's from russia that's like that's that. just yeah. russia propaganda yep that's all it is so the trump administration said on tuesday that it will ban evictions of tenants who are unable to pay rent because of the coronavirus crisis through the end of the year with a broad new order under the centers for disease control and prevention's public health powers the agency order the result of an august 8th executive action by president donald trump directing the cdc to study the issue would impose criminal penalties on landlords who violate the ban that is ask for people who live in their properties to pay them money for living in their properties. That is what they would impose criminal penalties for. Evictions for reasons other than non-payment of rent will be will be allowed to proceed. It looks so, like the lawyers are going to make some money looking for ways to get people out besides just rent. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's the administration's boldest move yet to head off the specter of mass evictions in the final months before the election as a crisis caused by the pandemic or the government's response to the pandemic shows few signs of abating. 
Trump has come under increasing pressure to act ever since a federal moratorium lapsed at the end of July. A $600 a week federal boost to unemployment benefits, which many struggling tenants used to pay at least part of their rent as the crisis progressed. They paid part of their rent, even though many of them were making more money from that time on when they were getting that $600. Right. <laughs> In testimony before the House Coronavirus Subcommittee, I love that we have a House Coronavirus Subcommittee. Earlier Tuesday, can we form a sub-subcommittee to investigate the feasibility of creating another subcommittee on the House Coronavirus Subcommittee? Yeah, well, anyway, yeah we just need the Inspector General to oversee that. So make sure we appoint somebody to make sure we get that sub-subcommittee together. These days, you know, you haven't and made then we it. Need a, we, need a sub, we need an audit sub-subcommittee to make sure that, that everybody's in line. How far up in the house do you have to be to make it on to the coronavirus committee? That would be I don't know. A lot I got promoted from subcommittee to committee today. Probably all the people like, who sold their shares back in February. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said the the action will affect up to 40 million renters. The earlier eviction ban passed by Congress in March as part of a massive economic rescue package applied to federally financed rental units and protected about a quarter of the nation's tenants. The new ban covers tenants who certify that they have lost substantial income, that they expect to make no more than $99,000 in 2020 or received a stimulus check, and that they are making their best efforts to pay as much of their rent as they can. <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm just doing my best here. <laughs> trying really hard yeah. to pay my rent, but I can't figure out the website. Tenants must also certify that an eviction would likely make them homeless or push them to double up with others in close quarters. You can't have people mm -hmm. living with other people. We just that ask, yeah. You just ask people and they'll certify, you know? Kind of like I did today. I was filling out some information for a background check and it was like, are you a felon? Are you a fugitive from the law? Like, did you escape prison? Like, that, no. They just answer no. I'm just going to certify no. None of that's true. Well, he answered the right questions on yeah. his background. Deck, he so said no. He said no. The guy <laughs> said no. <laughs> and that's really just to cover them legally. That's all it is. Right. Because now you're the one who lied on the official paperwork, if that if that is the case. Right. So what Todd said is is where I went exactly as well. He said criminal penalties for landlords. What happens to landlords who cannot pay mortgages due to non-rental payments? Well, what what do they get evicted <laughs> like what what do, happens do their house do their houses get repossessed what happens is the bank seizes the property and the banks don't have enough money to do it so the government's going to back the loans that pay for the banks to be able to buy back all the property and that's that's what's probably going to happen so my main thing on this guys was that socialism or and or fascism it comes in many forms a lot of times you would see you could see Democrats pushing for a law saying that everyone gets free housing, but that really is the same thing as saying that landlords are banned via threat of criminal penalty for asking tenants to pay them money, which is the same thing, by the way, is and, saying that you're going to give free housing to everyone. And all done by an unelected agency, by the way. This isn't like yeah. this isn't like your representatives passing this. This is an agency just by uh, just by fiat, by executive order, uh, just a, a kingly decree. Love uh, it. Love it. So good. Wes brings well, up a good point about my background check. He said, I should have just checked the loophole box. Yeah. But uh, that one wasn't available on this form for some reason. I think you got to go uh, maybe further south. I don't know, Alabama or something maybe has that I'll loophole check. 
you got to go to a gun show. Oh, that's, that. that's the mistake I made. Dang it. Yeah. You wouldn't have had to fill out any paperwork whatsoever if you just would have gone to a gun show. Yeah. I ran out of all, I ran out of the tickets to the gun show. So yeah. Well, do you need some? Cause yeah. <laughs> got them over here. Okay. Uh, all right, man. You Wednesday's, can go ahead with is Wednesday arms and back. <laughs> that's Tuesdays. Wednesdays is, uh, legs and legs and butt. Oh, okay. Got nice. <laughs> been flexing. I've been flexing this whole time. Yeah. Well, uh, I just wanted to say at the end of that, you brought up a really good point about how socialism comes in many forms. And just because we have a Republican in office, you know, that doesn't mean that socialism can't take hold. And, you know, this this move right here kind of negates the whole I hope Trump wins the election in 2020 type. Well, this thing. is Trump saying that housing is a right. Right. That's, that's what they're saying, that housing is a human right. And that whether or not you can pay for the place that you're living in, well, then you should still be able to live there. Yeah. And the person who and the person who provided that place to you, who fronted all the money for it, well, they're screwed. They're not entitled that's, to anything. That's really all it means. I mean, this is going to have massive repercussions through the any type of mortgage market, any type of real estate market whatsoever. It's going to have really bad long-term implications for sure. And all the while, what we could have done was just allow people to go to work and provide value to other people mm -hmm. and receive value in return that they could then use to get things that they value. Yeah. That, I mean, I know that's weird. And what's but. interesting is during this pandemic, oddly enough, in the healthcare sector, we lost about half the contracts that we had. And uh, you know what? They still took my payment the first day of the month this month, and um, I had to pay it, which means, yeah. which, which is weird, like, Oddly enough, I had to make, you know, different decisions financially to to be like, okay, what's a priority here? You know, is building that swimming pool for the Patreon group really a priority? No, I have to, I had to put that on hold. Sorry, Patreon group, you can blame Nate for that. But yep. but you know, when when things like this happen, it's like you again have to take the personal responsibility and evaluate like. Okay, do I need to pay for for cable and Netflix and this and that or whatever? Or is having a home one of the highest priorities on your list? Probably somewhere to live should be up there above Netflix and your iPhone. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Now, it doesn't mean that some people weren't in an extremely bad way um, where they do need some help. I'm not saying that. Uh, and I think you should help your neighbors. But... But at the same time, there has to be some personal responsibility there. And then, like, what have you been doing for the last 10 years? Like, you know, are you not preparing for a rainy day? And I get it. I've been there before in my life, too. Like, I've been at the place where my credit cards were maxed out and I was living paycheck to paycheck and and I had all kinds of problems. I've been there, too. But at the same time, I don't my thing is I don't blame anybody else. And I don't and I didn't expect the government to bail me out. You know, it's it's my fault. And as you, if you look at life that way, it's, it's amazing how your brain can shift to, well, if something's my fault, that means that I have the power to fix it. And then you can start to make different decisions. Whereas if you blame everyone else and expect everyone else to, to, to bail you out, which again, I, I'm blaming the government on this, but at the same time, you have to take some personal responsibility and realize that these types of things can happen. Um, you know, what that does is that shifts your mindset and then you start making better decisions and it's amazing how your life can change when you take that personal responsibility and that ownership, even if something isn't your fault, which again, I don't, this shutdown's not your fault. 
it was a bad response to a to a new virus. But at and the same time, you have to decide that you're going to make different decisions that you if you would have made better decisions, you could have prevented the fallout that happened to you. And I'm not saying that it's not hard and I'm not saying that it's not bad for some people. I'm not saying some people don't need help. There could have been people that were doing the right thing for the whole time and still somehow a catastrophe happened to him. That is possible. But for the most part, as Stapleton would say, you are where you are in life because of the decisions that you've made over your lifetime. That's in large part. That's where you're at. And even in this, even in this situation, like you said, I mean, we're you're in the situation because you didn't plan ahead regardless of how hard that was going to be to plan ahead when you weren't even making a lot of money in the first place, there were probably still expenses that you could have foregone to save up some money just in case something like this ever happened. But Charlie, what do you think the incentive structure is that they're laying out right now? Where, what is the incentive here? Do you have the incentive to plan ahead and to make sure that you can take care of these expenses? Nope. Nope. The, nope. the incentive is to rely on the government. <laughs> yeah. And that's the problem with programs like this. They set up a really terrible incentive structure for people. And then the problem just keeps going. And why wouldn't it keep going? Human beings need incentives to make tough decisions. Mm -hmm. And you're not letting that incentive change people's decision making. You're saying when something bad happens, we're going to step in and help you, which means you have no incentive to prevent bad things from happening or to prepare for bad things that could happen. There's absolutely no reason that you would mm -hmm. if you're always going to be taken care of when a bad thing happens. Exactly. And that's the problem. So, all right, man. We, all go just ahead and tell a, me about we just live in a bubble and have everybody take care of everything for us, man. Yep, man. What a perfect, about this, what a perfect uh, world. FDA thing real quick. All right. This coming from National Review. Exclusive GOP senators ask the FDA to classify the abortion pill as dangerous. This afternoon, a group of 20 Republican senators led by Texas Senator Ted Cruz sent a letter to the Food and Drug Administration calling on Commissioner Stephen Hahn to classify the abortion pill as an imminent hazard to the public health that poses a significant threat of danger and remove the pill from the U.S. market. According to a copy of the letter provided exclusively to National Review, the senators applaud the FDA for insinuating and attempting to enforce safety protocols around the chemical abortion pill, also known as Mifeprex. During the COVID-19 pandemic, abortion advocates and providers have undertaken a legal campaign to alter the FDA's risk evaluation mitigation strategy for the abortion pill, which requires that healthcare professional prescribe the drug to women in person rather than via telemedicine. The pandemic, they argue, has made it more difficult for women to obtain chemical abortion drugs and therefore that the FDA safety protocols are a violation of the supposed right to abortion. Meanwhile, Democratic politicians have written to FDA leaders demanding that they cease enforcing those safety standards. And in July, a federal judge sided with the abortion lobby, suspending the FDA safety requirements and claiming that the COVID-19 outbreak has rendered them unconstitutional. The COVID-19 outbreak rendered them somehow. It, somehow <laughs> this a, a virus rendered it unconstitutional. Constitution changed. Yeah. When COVID came yeah. in. Quote, we believe that this rogue judicial judicial activism is a gross breach of the separation of powers, undermining the FDA's statutory authority to ensure drug safety while recklessly endangering American women and children. The senator's state calling it an opportunistic ploy to expand access to abortion under the fallacy that the REMS, um, the rules, uh, impose an undue burden on women's rights. The letter now, also 
to add, say real quick is the quote from the senators that are trying to uh, get them to classify this as dangerous are saying that this is rogue judicial activism that's a gross breach of the separation of powers. So it's really weird to me to go to something like separation of powers, like something going back to, oh, the old founding fathers and constitution days, and be talking about it in relation to a bureaucracy that has been created unconstitutionally to regulate the market. And that that's really weird to me. And really, just before we finish this, my point on this, before anyone gets the wrong idea, this is not a, to me, I don't intend for this to be a pro or anti-abortion conversation whatsoever. To me, this is a hypocrisy conversation because in this instance, you have someone like Ted Cruz, who is supposed to be a limited government person pushing for the FDA to, to limit something that is on the market. And, and the Democrats are pushing for the FDA to cease regulating something that's on the market. Mm-hmm. And it's all being done along political lines. None of it along principled lines whatsoever. Wouldn't this be amazing if the FDA just didn't even exist? That yeah. th- that doctors would be able to just to prescribe medicine to their patients as they see fit. You know, wouldn't that just be something that we would trust our doctor to make sure that that they're not going to harm us? What if you mm. just put on the bottle, which you'll be reading here in a minute? Somewhere between five and seven percent of women that take this still require a follow-up surgical abortion. Somewhere between five and seven percent. And during the trials, this many women had terrible complications. And it's all right there in the bottle or it's on the website for it. And you can go look that up and then you can make the decision as to whether or not you're going to take it. Yeah. Like I said, I want to go outside of the abortion conversation here because we could get mixed up in a conversation about whether or not a pill like this should even exist or whether or not it is libertarian or not libertarian to stop a medication that is going to end a life potentially. I, I don't want to muddy it up in that part. What I'm getting at right now is really w- what's the job of the FDA and how crazy is it to see the two sides flip-flop on this issue, depending on what their political stances are on abortion. Right. So it goes on to say here, the letter also notes that President Bill Clinton's administration rushed the abortion pill through the FDA approval process under political pressure, saying it is, quote, nakedly obvious that the abortion industry and its allies in the media, billionaire philanthropic circles and special interest groups have wanted an unregulated and demedicalized abortion pill since the movement, uh, since the moment the FDA first approved it in 2000. Uh <laughs> Which, back to what I was saying earlier, is why do we need the FDA approval anyway? Um, And I get a lot of people are like, well, we can't just not have any regulations. And I understand that. But at the same time, has the FDA not approved medication that's killed people or caused great harm? Um, In fact, Nate, you have somebody that you know that's happened to that's caused, you know, irreversible harm. And so I have someone I, I can just say my stepmom has congest is in congestive heart failure due to a medication <clears throat> that she took for several years that they have now found out has a major complication, which with causing congestive heart failure in yeah. people, clearly FDA approved medication. Right. And went and through so, all the proper steps, got the I, prescription, I, took it like she yeah. was supposed to. The other side of that is how many medications that could have saved tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of lives have they not approved? 
Right. How many medications have they kept from coming to the market because of the expense that they add to making new medications? So it's not entirely obvious that the FDA has a net safe saving <clears throat> of lives over the term of its existence, because you can't tell me how many people died from things that could have had medications over this entire time. And there's no way of really knowing that number, but we, we I've gone through several instances where they've totaled up in the hundreds of thousands just from a few medications that never got approved or were delayed for 10 years. Yeah. It goes on to say here, we believe this deadly pill should never have been approved, yet the abortion industry was politically rewarded with an accelerated approval process normally reserved for high-risk drugs that address life-threatening illnesses like AIDS, the senators write. As you are surely aware, pregnancy is not a life-threatening illness, and the abortion pill does not cure or prevent any disease. In its conclusion, the letter points out that Mifeprex, uh, however you pronounce the name of the Maybe pill. Mifeprex is what Mif I would assume. Mifeprex poses a higher risk of complication than surgical abortion in the beginning of pregnancy and somewhere between five to 7% of women require follow-up surgical abortions. While we support the FDA's continued fight to defend the REMS, R-E-M-S, to monitor dangerous clinical studies and to shut down illegal websites, these measures alone fail to protect the thousands of women's harmed even by compliant usage of this drug or the millions of children killed. So again, the hypocrisy of the Republicans using the government to pass things on their political agenda as well. Um, my stance is the FDA just shouldn't even be involved. It, they shouldn't be whatsoever. It should be, a, a, it should be a decision. Could clearly, we could clearly get the information out there about this drug and have people make that decision. Obviously the, the waters get muddy when we're talking about abortion because you throw in the idea that this medication shouldn't exist or, or whatever. And I'm trying, I'm trying to, keep that part out of the well and the, the thing about it is is like do you think republicans would ever you know enforce the fda to make cigarettes illegal you know like clearly cigarettes cause cancer we've known that for a long time and then all kinds of health effects actually um and no they just have a minimum age it's like you can willingly do something to cause your own body harm and others because if you smoke in the house or whatever it's definitely gonna cause other people harm too you can willingly do all that no problem whatsoever. We know it's probably going to harm you, but uh, we're going to pick this one thing because we're politically motivated to do so by our base to make sure we get that point across so that maybe we'll get more votes. It's just, it's so obvious. Yeah. Magoo brought up a good one too. Zantac, they've, they've now, you see all the class action lawsuits going on now because they found out that Zantac is linked to a bunch of cancer case, cases. Mm. And that that was very popular medication for a long time, long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I see commercials about it all the time. I'd like to see what their studies are on this, because when you when you say that this is linked to cancer cases, to me, you also need to look at, well, do the people who have the ailment that they took that medication for have a higher risk of developing that cancer or do people who have that ailment also just because they have that as Zantac for heartburn or something like that. Um, do they also have a increased risk of some kind of cancer just because they have that ailment? And so therefore the people who took Zantac would 
would correlate with an increased risk of cancer, but it might not be specifically from the Zantac ex- itself. I'm sure they're figuring that out, but I w- you should always look at things like that because correlation and causation are two totally different things. Yeah, and so. one other thing Wes brought up I thought was good is, and this is you know kind of our stance on this, is someday all sides will realize abortion medicine, even abortions, are not the actual problem. The problem is people wanting to have abortions. And that that is my thing. I'm not even sure that you can create laws like I am a pro-life libertarian. Uh, I believe that life is is sacred. And I believe that even though that person is not born yet, that they have all the same natural rights that I do, that they should be given a chance. And I actually subscribe to the to Walter Block's theory of evictionism, because I also think that even if the woman decided she wanted to get pregnant, at any point, she can decide that she doesn't want to be pregnant anymore because it's her body and she owns herself. Uh, my only stance is you're not allowed to kill it before you take it out. You're just allowed to evict it. And I think with advances in modern science, you know, right now we have babies born. It's very rare, but at 20 weeks that are surviving, like maybe in the next 50 years, they can be born at 10 weeks and survive. Who knows? Um, you know, with, with advances in modern science and high levels of income, you know, and, and so but the thing about it is, is, is that we have to get to a place where, where people are, they take, they're taking personal responsibility, they're educated and they're in an economic place where, um, getting pregnant uh, is a choice and having a baby is that choice that they want to make and getting pregnant on accident or having some type of unplanned pregnancy that they didn't want or, um, being raped or any of those things are no longer an issue because society as a whole is in a better place. And that's to me is how you actually solve the problem uh, is getting people to a place where they don't even want to choose abortion. Like it wouldn't be an option for them. That's what I think the actual solution to the problem is to the, the only, <clears throat> the only law I ever think you could make on abortion is that if the baby could survive on its own, then you would not allow abortion at that time. You would treat it the same as if a patient who is in need of help came into the ER and needed to be and needed to be stabilized, that there would be no reason to kill a human being that could be saved. Yeah. And and that would be the only thing that I would go down on. But I I think the actual issue here is personal responsibility and, and why do people get into the position where they have to have abortions? And that's the actual solution, not some kind of top-down government. Because if you're a Christian thinking about this and you're super anti-abortion, using the government to enforce your Christianity on people doesn't solve the underlying problem, which is that the people want to do that in the first place. You would want to solve the societal issue where no one wants to have an abortion because they're just such good people and they're so responsible and, and, and all of that, that you would actually be solving people's hearts and not using the government to enforce your morality on, on other people. So, and then of course you talk about murder and you're like, oh, well, it means we can't afford more murder and all that too. What's up? I'm sorry to laugh. Jeff just said, what if that baby was paying rent and he couldn't evict it till 2021? <laughs> That's it. Your evictionism theory is dead because yeah, new law because evictions are banned. <laughs> yeah. So that means we just, banned, we just banned abortion, I guess. That's so good. All right. Tell me about old, uh, old, well, actually, young, young Kyle. And uh, well, I'm, I'm going to let's see. We just have to make sure that we're off. Yeah, we got time. Okay. Yeah, we got about maybe have, nine, nine, ten minutes. 
I've got a, a, a one-on-one here in the middle. Let's go to the, this story can, can be held over to tomorrow. And I want to talk about this Joe Biden, Russia. Oh hoax. yeah. The, this Russia. Whole because it's just, it's insane. It's just totally insane. And this, mm-hmm. these are the links that people go to, to, to fool themselves. So ABC news. DHS withheld intelligence bulletin warning that Russian misinformation attack, uh, warning about a Russian misinformation attack on Biden's mental health. So if you've got any feelings about Biden's mental health, what's actually happened here is that there's been a Russian misinformation attack that is pointing out Biden's mental decline and actually everything's fine. You're actually just being you're just being hoaxed by the Russians right now. <laughs> so that's, great. That's what's actually happening. We're already blaming Russia. So yeah. if for some reason it comes down to, well, just not enough people thought that Joe Biden was actually alive. Well, then what they're going to be able to say, or they're going to be able to say a couple things. They'll be able to talk about the mail-in ballots and, and all of that. So the suppression of voting, and they'll be able to talk about Russia. Once again, they must have gotten all these doctored videos out there of Joe Biden saying really stupid stuff. And that's actually, that's actually what happened was this was Russia again. Yeah. Crazy to have to just think that you could just blame other people all the time. I just do not understand. And the best information I've found on um, the whole Russia gate situation is from Scott Horton. We really need to get him on the show. Um, I know you're, you're working on that. You're working that angle. But he just talks about how, you know, he, well, he was saying for two years, it's now been almost four years, but let's, let's go with three years. Um, they've been trying to pin some type of Russian influence on, on Trump and his administration and literally have gotten nothing, absolutely nothing. It's all been a giant hoax. Um, and, and the, but they're going to continue the narrative. Why? Because it's popular. It's, and and they're not conspiracy theorists, right? For say. Like something that has no factual basis whatsoever. Now there was this DHS intelligence bulletin, which we'll be we'll talk about here in a minute. But by the way, the intelligence bulletin was not specifically about Biden. So let's go through this from CNN fake news. The Department of Homeland Security in July withheld an intelligence bulletin warning of a Russian plot to spread misinformation regarding Joe Biden's mental health, according to a report from ABC News on Wednesday. In a draft of the bulletin obtained by the network titled Russia likely to denigrate health of U.S. candidates to influence 2020 election, analysts said that with high confidence that Russian malign influence actors are likely to continue denigrating presidential candidates through allegations of poor mental or physical health to influence the outcome of the 2020 election. According to ABC News, the Bolton also raised efforts by China and Iran to criticize President Donald Trump, the network reported. <laughs> so first off, just reading from that bulletin, they said Russian influence actors are likely to continue denigrating presidential candidates through allegations of poor mental or physical health. Presidential and, candidates. Yeah. And the, and the news story is that Russian misinformation attack on Biden's mental health. Yeah. Even though it said candidates, like plural. The fact that Trump stroke was trending on Twitter yesterday. Did, is, does, did that come from Russia? That came from China. That from China. Yep. 
And yeah, the headline has nothing to do with the fact that they also found specific bullets in talking about China and Iran trying to criticize Trump leading up to the election. Nothing about that. What wow. about China and Iran? Does China not have more power than Russia? It's not important. I don't, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, the bulletin was submitted July 7th to the DHS Legislative and Public Affairs Office for review. And according to emails obtained by ABC News, was to be distributed to state, federal, and local law enforcement, but not to the public on July 9th. Emails also show, according to the network, the DHS Chief of Staff, John Gauntanis, 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 Stop the bulletin from being sent out. He said, please hold on sending this one out until you have a chance to speak to the acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. He wrote, ABC News reported. A spokesperson for DHS told CNN in a statement Wednesday that while the agency does not comment on leaked documents, this particular draft produced lacked the necessary context and evidence for broader dissemination outside of the Department of Homeland Security. So they basically said they couldn't find any evidence that this was actually a real thing they just got a bulletin saying that russia might be trying to do this Jeez. but this needs to be this and and by the way this goes ahead and it just fixes the whole conversation about if you say something like well biden he's crazy he's obviously got dementia well all, automatically you're just another right-wing conspiracy theorist who's fallen victim to another russian hoax you're part of the that's, Russian scandal. That's all this is. Just another Russian scandal. Yeah. I mean, can you honestly watch videos of Joe Biden talking and say that he is in just tippy top mental health shape right now? Yeah. I mean, according to AOC, uh, tippy, he's, he's the most tippy top qualified <laughs> Democratic candidate we've ever had. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we could play the video from yesterday or just tons of other stuff. Charlie, you got all kinds of stuff on that on that on that board right there that's in the room. I don't I don't have them with me, so I can't play any of it. But um, poor kids are just, there's as, some, just as talented as white kids. <laughs> yeah, there's there's one of them. It was really quiet, so it's okay. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. There you go. Now, obviously, that was a video that Russia created and distributed online. <laughs> right. Are and, they saying uh, that Russia is controlling Biden, that your theory that Biden might actually be dead is true and that he's being controlled by the Russians? Wouldn't that make him unelectable? Um, it would certainly explain the problems in speaking English. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just going to chalk really it up to he's on a daily dose of vodka. I, I, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. He's, he's definitely running down the communist train right now, for sure. I guess that I guess that explains why he won't denounce Antifa or the the uh, crazy radical Black Lives Matter protesters who protest buildings not being on fire and anything like that. So, I mean, this is just crazy. And they're going to. Is there any truth in media anymore, Charlie? Mm. Can you can are they is it is it not just blatant is it not just blatant that they are trying to misinform people to to try and warp people's minds in a certain direction all the time i mean how does anyone not well, see look, this and don't forget like president trump is impeached by the way this is an, an impeached incumbent 
that they impeached over this whole Russiagate scandal, which which mounted to absolutely nothing. And again, you can go listen to to Scott Horton on this and and uh, what you know what he is talking about that what Trump is trying to do is Trump is trying to basically restore a relationship with Russia as another superpower, by the way, who we were in a cold war for, you know, 50, 60 years with. And he's basically saying like, look, what Trump is trying to do is he's trying to establish a relationship with a, a, another superpower to, to avoid another potential cold war with the country that has the, the second mo- most use in the United States. And in fact, he goes on to say like, you know, so the first person to call president Bush after September 11th, um, terrorist attacks was Russia. Uh, it was Putin who called and said, Hey, tell us what you need. We'll do anything. We'll be there. Um, and so it's not like Russia is this bad actor from the eighties. And what Scott talks about is he's like, look, there are people in the deep state, like guys like John Bolton and those types of people who are in Trump's administration, um, who are still stuck in the cold war and, and Russia is the enemy. And so anything that Trump does to, to try and establish a relationship with Russia, they don't like the deep state doesn't like the intelligence community doesn't like because Russia was the enemy for a long, long, long time. And then, you know, uh, Trump's been a lot tougher on China than he has any other country. And they also don't like that um, because, you know, there are people uh, in, in government for a long time that have uh, great relationships with China, despite um, all the things that they do. And, and, you know, of course our position, at least mine, I, I don't want to speak for Nate because he like, he likes walls, but you know, my position is that we should just not be tough on any country. Like, we should openly and freely trade and show the world what it's like to have a free market economy and how rich you actually can become when you have freedom. That's how you get people to be free. You don't, you don't bomb them into submission. You don't sanction them into freedom. You, you show them what freedom's like. And when you, when they have it, they want more of it and then they become rich and that's crazy. Uh, so what you're saying is, are you wearing a MAGA hat right now on the other side of that hat? Is no, that what's happening? This is a smash hat. Russian and <laughs> so, smash. Yep. That's what you do. To that subscribe button, by the way. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Yeah. It's for the so predators. anyway, guys, new wow. name, Joe Biden, the machine. That is uh, <laughs> what we'll be calling him I from now on. So, all right, everyone, if you are interested in learning how to day trade in the stock market, then go over to mastermystonks.com. We go live every single morning at 8 a.m. Central Time, and we keep streaming until we stop trading for the day. Honestly, the last week or so has been a little bit boring in the market. Things haven't been moving quite as much, but there's still been some good opportunities today. There were some good opportunities on AMC today, really good opportunities on Tesla and Apple uh, on on Monday this week. So there's still a lot of great opportunities to be had every single day in the market. So go over to mastermystonks.com if you're interested in learning from the very basics. Beginners don't even know a word yet. You can go in there and learn how to read stonk charts, how to how to trade in a brokerage platform and learn the strategies that we use and how to develop some of your own strategies too. So just go over to mastermystonks or mastermytrades.com and check that out. Also good uh, we're getting off here today because I have a one-on-one scheduled with one of the class members. So yeah. I'm about to jump on Zoom with one of the class members here in a minute. That'd be nice. 
Marie says his ORB, which is an opening range breakout, has been smashing it over the past few months. So you guys can learn those uh, strategies and get in. I believe for the year, the the opening range breakout is at like a 40 or 50 to one, by the way, on, on the market. So those of you who have taken that position, uh, you should be pretty happy with that return. I think I would be. So then, uh, like you said, there's been other plays. Like I, I made some plays on Apple and Tesla, took some profit. Uh, Apple did, uh, you know, sell off today, but I'm still holding a position there, uh, still in profit, still made well over a thousand dollars so far, and that's just in a couple days. So it is, it is possible, even if, you know, the the strategies that we teach, they are available uh, in the market, and there's opportunities every single day. So mastermystonks.com, mastermytrades.com. Get in there and uh, you know, start taking personal responsibility over your finances. That's what I say. Uh, you know, when we had that interview with um, with Will from Granite Shares, that was one thing we talked about last Friday was this is a new age of investing. There are a lot more people that are uh, becoming financially educated and learning uh, how to take control of their finances rather than, you know, relying on the financial elite to diversify their portfolio for them. And, you know, with the, with it's easier than ever with no brokerage fees um, and all of the technology that's coming out to help uh, young investors and young traders. You, you can do it on your own. The education part is not that hard. And so that's what we teach. We teach you the very basics of just understanding. And even if, you know, even if you don't ever want to take a trade, at least you can understand what's happening with your 401k or your Roth IRA or anything like that, because guess what? That's all invested in the market. So when you understand support and resistance and price action and opening range breakouts and how all of that happens, you become a a more informed and better person. So uh, do it for that. Take the class for a month or two. And even if you decide not to trade, at least you're more informed. So mastermytrades.com, mastermystonks.com. Get in on the Patreon group while you're at it so you can be part of the live show that we do every single day. Watch us on camera. You can see my smash hat. You can see that I wear a blue shirt just about every single day. Today's blue shirt Wednesday. Uh, Most of my class it is filled with blue it, clearly my favorite color and uh, i just you know i wear blue all the time i don't know why maybe it's i'm not feeling blue i'm just you know i just like blue and uh so you can see that and you can make fun of us inside the live group get your comment out on the podcast we talk with our patreon supporters uh every single day when we're live so patreon.com slash good morning liberty patreon.com slash good morning liberty it's only five bucks that's basically nothing you spend more on your hair gel probably than you do being a supporter of the show so if you love liberty and you're against death patreon.com slash good morning liberty and then please share the show with a friend leave us that rating and review if you do all of that then we'll be back again tomorrow hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids